The Corey NFC podcast is kindly sponsored by Radio Taxis. Give them a call, 70353 709. They know the score. Afternoon once again and welcome back to the weekly Korean FC podcast with myself, Damien Mullen, uh, and my usual partner in crime, Jonathan McNabb. Johnny, good afternoon. Um, I suppose really we, we could start and it probably won't take long, but I look back to Saturday's game, Korean at home to Linfield, finished nil-nil and I would suggest if we were still playing until today, it would still be nil-nil. What were your thoughts on the game? I summed up pretty well. I think if Raymond blew up for full time after the after uh, blowing off for, for the start of the match, it has saved everyone a couple of hours of, of their time. Um, yeah, two teams that probably didn't want to lose a game, to be honest. Um, don't remember either keeper having a really save to make. Um, probably disappointing match considering the, the, the turnout and stuff. There was a capacity crowd there, but listen, you get games like that. Um, you know, we, we've played Larn and we've played... Glen Torn um, and other two two other top six teams and, and get beat. So maybe we weren't seeing it as a positive that we were able to take a take a point off one of the top six teams. So yeah, look, it wasn't a great game. There'll be no highlights, I'm sure of that, um, stuff like that. But listen, you, you get games of football again. Yeah, and, and it was interesting listening to uh, Oren's interview after the game. And he said something along the lines that games between the top six teams. Uh, and reading between the lines from what I could gather, he was suggesting that games like that might become more of a regular occurrence because there is so little between the top sides. And as you said as well, it's almost a case of you don't want to lose the games almost as much as wanting to win them. Would that be fair to say? David, he said the exact same in a case of it's early days in the season. So you don't want to lose too much ground, obviously, on the teams above you. And Obviously, when the, when the league probably goes into January, February time, you'll know if you're say six or seven points behind, you need to go and beat the team, so you might be a wee bit more attacking. So, yeah, look, let them look at the table. They're sixth, I think it is. Um, so they didn't want to lose any more grounds on, on the Glens. And yeah, look, there's two big matches on Friday night against you know the top four, is it? Well, the Lumfield as well, obviously. So, um, that'll tell a tale, and they could be, you know, that could be two draws as well. It could be tight games as well. So, look, you you you, you just don't know. One of the positives you, you mentioned, obviously, Raymond, uh, being Raymond Krangle, who refereed the match on Saturday. And it was it was kind of a game, if you're a, a referee, I would surmise that it's the kind of game that you like to referee. I, I don't think there was really a, a bad challenge in the game. I don't remember too many incidents, yellow cards or red cards. Um, and it's the kind of game, and I, I, at this stage, I'll, I'll just introduce this afternoon's special guest uh, to the podcast, Andrew Davey. Very welcome to the, the Korean FC podcast. People listening will know you as one of the Irish League's top referees, and you're also the referee development officer for your troubles. And uh, Andrew, that Korean Linfield game, nil nil, will that be a kind of a game as a referee that you would like? To, you would like to have officiated that no baller and, and pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, thanks for having me to start off with. Um, you're welcome to be here. Um, yeah, it can be one you're looking forward to. I think the main thing you're looking forward to at the start is the fact that it's a it's the Korean showgrounds. It's packed out, which is always good when it comes to the Korean showgrounds. A, a good crowd, good two good teams. Um, kicks it off well um, but obviously then when it comes to if there's no referee in controversy then every referee is happy at the end of it um, so yeah it would be ideal to get to and uh, Raymond's obviously uh, taking another one off the list so he's, he's happy enough Just when you mentioned Raymond something just came into my head he was, he was wearing a rather fetching pair of socks on Saturday what was all that about? Um, Raymond likes his wee change of socks. Raymond likes a wee black, black, yellow number or a wee black, black, red for some reason. Um, you can tell by the age of him, his, his dress sense isn't maybe the greatest. Um, maybe a wee bit colorblind. Some of the people might say he's a wee bit colorblind when it comes to the cards as well. So, no, no, Raymond, I uh, obviously we, we can't match the socks where I ideally would try to get the socks of all the teams different. So if he's going to wear black and it's close to one of the other teams, then then he'll change. But it's it's one of Raymond's favorite ones. Yeah, I changed. Yeah, socks. I don't know which was worse, his red socks or the or the new Linfield away kit. It was quite a 
a, a striking number as well, wasn't it? It is. It is. It, it's uh, obviously a bit different from uh, most of the other kits that are out there at the moment. It's uh, it's a bit of a, a a change to what we're used to, and especially when we come to obviously maybe Linfu when it comes to traditionalists and stuff like that. There, so it's a wee bit different. Um, different is sometimes good. So uh, yeah, it's it's different. Let's put it that way. Yeah, just when you when you mentioned at the start about the the Korean showgrounds being packed and it being a good ground, um, Andrew. If, as referees, that's what you're looking for, is it? Like a, oh. a, a nice, a nice ground like that, packed to the gills. Is that one of the better grounds as a referee to go to? If you look at some of the grounds, some of our grounds when they're filled, it can still be quite obviously the nicest stadium. If it's a Linfield game, filled, it can be quite empty. Obviously. I don't want to bring up old wounds, but last year's League Cup final when we have National Stadium and it's it's packed out. I shouldn't have really went there this early, probably, but apologize. Um, when you've got that stadium and it's packed out, then by all means it's it's a super atmosphere. But Corian, uh there's Corian, there's Glen Avon, the Dungannons where the fans are all quite close. Um they're 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 compact in, they're close to the pitch. You can hear everything that's being said to you. You can turn around and you can point to the fella who has said something to you because he is so close. But that all then creates into the game and it creates into the atmosphere. And you talk about the players feed off it. Obviously, they're giving the opposition player stick and the opposition fans are giving home player stick. Then it all adds to uh, an atmosphere. Um, as long as it's all banter, it's all fun, then it's it's a good thing. But by all means, that's what you're looking for. And, and that sort of that that atmosphere can only make for a better game. Uh, Johnny, I mean, you've now graduated to working in the media at Corian, but I would hazard a guess that in your younger days, maybe you were one of those guys standing in the terraces, maybe uh, trying to give the referees advice. Would that be true? Ah, it never ends. Hey. They're all, you know, they make, like, listen, no, they're only human at, at the end of the day. And, and yeah, look, everyone makes everyone makes a mistake. Or, you know, if, you know, if a footballer can make a mistake, a manager can make a mistake, a referee can make a mistake, that's what it is. And, and yeah, look, when you're on a Saturday, you're like, oh, what's he made that decision for? And then you, you sit back and think, okay, yeah, okay, I, I can understand that one. So yeah, look, as time goes on, you sort of realise that um, not not everyone's perfect. I make a mistake in a tweet or, you know, or... Or, or by locking a referee in a, in, a, in the media room. Well, you'll have to expand on that, Andrew. I mean, uh, what are you referring to there? Well, I, was, I went down to help Corey in with the youth league match and that lend a bit of assistance um to help promote the league promote the game do a wee bit with the referees and i was minding my own business uh, and whatever happened i got locked in the Korean showgrounds as the media team made their swift exit now if i remember right johnny was under 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 instructions that they had to get to the shop before it closed <laughs> so all i'm saying is the next time i'm at Korean, just remember johnny locked me in the uh the team rooms are you looking for a bit of sympathy from the Korean supporters, Andrew? Well, that's all I'm looking for. And, 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 and well, just all I'm saying is Johnny locked me in. So whatever goes wrong, I'm just blaming Johnny. Johnny, uh, Johnny, this, this is a good time for you to now publicly apologise to one of the... No, the it, it, it was payback for Andrew Kilmas last season. So that was... Well, if you look at it last year, probably wasn't the best time with Korean. So I, I can forgive you then, I'll forgive you. Is there anything, Johnny, particularly in mind that you're 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 um leveling at Andrew here? Cheers, where did I start here? Where did I start? <laughs> nah, um Lake Cup final with Grant. Um uh trying to think following at home. Sean, Sean O'Neill should have got sent off. Yes. Yeah. Apollo, yeah, yeah. I thought he challenged for the ball. Watch it back, he doesn't challenge for the ball, he does takes a player out. He got the penalty, but not the red card. Yeah, I'll That's agree with great. that. One. That's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we play this weekend, but we'll, we'll probably come to that in due course. But, um, Andre, I'm just looking a little bit into you, you know, into your background before you come on here. And I think, uh, well, this is your going into your eleventh season as a referee. Is that correct? Um, Irish League referee, probably uh, yeah. in and around eleven seasons. Yeah, yeah. I've been refereeing in total sixteen years, probably seventeen years, but eleven um, years as an Irish League referee. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering. Like anybody or any referee, I'm just wondering, you know, initially how how and why did you get into refereeing? Well, there's there's two sort of real reasons. One, I was never very good at playing. Uh, and two, um, by accident. <laughs> um, so 
I was playing locally, but now I, I, I took a course because somebody had ran a course and somebody was running a course looking for people to go on it. And I thought at the time I was 25, 26, it's a good CD builder. It's superb. I'll, I'll go do it. It's another string to the bow. I'll go and do it. Um, I then went and refereed a few youth games while still playing in the afternoon. Um, and I got to the stage where I felt, you know, something I'm not really enjoying playing. So that was about December, November, December time in that year. So I went and refereed in what was the, the Down Area League, local league in, in Bangor for the next six months. Um, after that, I then thought, you know something, I'm missing playing. Uh, refereeing at that early stage is a very, very lonely place because it's you, it's 22 players, and it's there's no real match day camaraderie. So I thought to myself, I'm missing it. To be honest, I'm missing the wee bit of banter. I'm missing the, the changing room. I'm missing the the, 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 the Saturday pints afterwards. I'm missing all the sort of fun side of it. So I was going to go back. Now, I talked to two people in particular, and I'll always sort of go back to them. It was uh, Jimmy Fagan from... Anyone that knows the Down Area League will know Jimmy. He's been there for 57, 80, 90 years, whatever it's been. He's been there as long as anyone can remember. Um, I talked to him and he talked me into staying. He says, no, stay and there's possibilities, there's all this. And I talked to another referee, um, Hugh Carville. Um, he was a senior referee at the time. Who I worked with and stuff at times. And he told me, obviously, about the, the, the prospects and all the different things. So I stayed. Um, and to be honest with you, since I've stayed, I've, I've never really looked back. It's been a bit of a whirlwind to get to where I am. Um, and everything has, you know, they, they talk about the fast track system. There's no fast track system. It's just, it's a bit like good players. And you look at some of the managers in the league when it comes to PK last year for Korean. If he's the right age and he's good enough, he'll play. And it comes to refereeing, it's pretty much the same. If you're good enough and you've done the games at that level, to move on to the next level, then you just go to the next level. There's no point in hanging around and waiting. So, um, yeah, it's been a whirlwind since then. And like I said, 11 years in the Irish League. Um, some people might not like it's been 11 years, <laughs> like Johnny. Um, 11, 11 years too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, it's been a whirlwind. It's been absolutely, I never, I, well, I'm now working in football. Like you said, I'm working in the IFA. Um, so whenever I started, I was like most people, I thought it was just turn up, do your game, go home. And that was it. But there's so many other possibilities can open up from there. And it's been, uh, it's been a whirlwind since then. And can you remember your first Irish League game? Irish League game? Yeah. Yes. So I got a trial game, um, which was Lisburn Distillery versus Dungan and Swifts. Um, we went on a, in the good old days, we went on a residential to further afield. We went to Portugal for a week um, as a referee training camp. Um, I came back from that. And within a week of coming back as a development squad member, I got a game in Distillery. So there's a bit of a difference between Portugal and Distillery. Um, at least, so I remember it. I remember thinking people don't understand. I think when they're coming through the ranks, the difference in the games. Um, junior to intermediate is a big step, intermediate into the PIL is a step, PIL into championship, massive step, and it is a massive step from championship to premiership. Um, speed, pace, technical, um, shall we say, cleverness of players um, and, and things like that. So it was a massive step up. I remember coming off thinking to myself, what have I done here? I maybe made a mistake. Um, probably some people say I should have stopped them, but no, I continued on. I got a few more games. But I mean, Johnny, from what Andrew's saying there and, and just that going from one league to another, it's not dissimilar to being an actual footballer, is it? Where, you know, players maybe start in a... a in a, a lower league and maybe move to championship and then get a, a chance in the a premiership. And it's very it's very much the same for the officials, isn't it? The referees and the officials just have to work as hard as, as a, in their own discipline as, as what players do, you know. They're not going to just go straight into, into Premier League and, and, and see how it goes. And yeah, it's, they're constantly, I'm sure, assessed and rigors and, and all that and, and you know, fitness tests and, and everything else. So, yeah, look, you know, for example, you know, they're constantly testing the top level. If you have a bad game, you seem to be dropped maybe down to the championship and stuff like that. And, and one thing I always, always, and I'm sure referees, you know, if they, if they have made a mistake, it stays with them as a player as well. You know, I'm sure they, they sit back and think, cheers, I died, shouldn't have sent him off, or I should have got a penalty there. And just as, you know, if a player makes a mistake or gets sent off, it's, you know, it's, you just don't know what, what, what people are going through. And I mean, I guess Andrew as well, uh, Johnny's talking about that, but. You know, in more recent times, you know, with the advent of full-time teams in, in clubs in the league and a more professional setup in the Danske Bank Premiership, I guess that's reflective as well in the officials insofar as that 
your job becomes that much harder because with that more professional setup comes more media scrutiny for want of a better word. Yeah, I've always said this. Obviously, I've said it before. People take it out of context at times, but we're always deemed to be the worst set of referees there's ever been in the Irish League. But what people don't understand is back in the days when mistakes were happening, there was no social media, there was no Twitter, there was no no recording on phones and stuff like that. So there's just there's more clips, there's more there's more things out there of it. So um, with the full time aspect, it's a massive change, and I think anyone who's watching Irish League now will notice, even in the eleven years that I've been there. It is a massive change in the Irish League. Um, there's a lot more football at a lot of grounds than there has been in, in any other grounds. So the, the football off the field is changing record crowds. Um, the media teams behind all the clubs are changing. We've got a lot more fan interaction. We've got a lot of other things changing and, and becoming full-time clubs now around the league as well. So it's something that the referees have to be aware of and um, we have to step up as well as, as much as anybody else um obviously again it comes down to funding and it comes down to money where where we get that to make referees a bit more sort of i'm not saying the money's going to make them more professional but um at the end of the day for us referees it's it's what people would say is a glorified hobby we do get paid for it um we do get um a remuneration for the games but we are also then having to put in a lot of work around it um, and we're still technically well we're self-employed but technically we're part-time yeah I was going to say would the natural progression from that Andrew be that within a period of say how many years whatever could you foresee uh, full-time referees for example in the Irish League um, I would say if there was going to be any full-times in the Irish League it would not be in sort of our time um, and the fact is that it would be a, a long way down the line um, now there is maybe some sort of other ways we can do it as in make part-time referees as in we do pay them a part-time wage um, so we do allow them more time obviously a lot of referees I'm lucky enough and I'm one of three people who make a living out of refereeing in Northern Ireland um, so it's not my job refereeing is not my job it's a, it's a self-employed hobby um, but I, I earn money from refereeing but apart from that everyone else who's refereeing in the Irish League has a full-time job um, so we talk about the players all these nights and we talk about, it, it sort of grinds on me a bit at times, we, we talk about people who go to a game and they're talking about the full-time element of one team and the part-time element of the other team. Even if it's two full-time teams playing each other, um, Linfield, Faitland, Torn on Friday night, it's two full-time teams, it'll be a part-time referee because that referee has still got a, a day job and still got a full-time element. So we do have a wide range of people. Uh, we've got people who work on sites to people who work on offices as referees, but we're still part time, uh, or still we're still we're still full time employees elsewhere. So it's it's a lot to, to try and juggle and mm. try and meet the demands. I mean, it's it's almost unfair, isn't it, when the, the teams are full time and yet the officials are part time? Do, do you ever get the case where the full time teams clubs not 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 so much critical, but look at you and think that yes, you should be full time if we're full time. Yeah, and they do, and they don't understand. It's just obviously the, the investment in other clubs. There's money coming from other places, and it it all comes down to who's going to pay the money to the referees and where it's going to come from. So there is an element of the league's been better and the referees need to be better. Um, but until we get that full time element, until we get to that that element where, and I hate come back to it, and people always come back, it's money. But at the end of the day. We have to look at it financially. So even when we're talking to one of the managers who was talking to a, a full-time manager who was talking to a player at a part-time club, if they're going to make that player full-time, they almost have to pay him his full-time wage from his job and any other money he was earning from refereeing. So they have to combine those two wages to try and make it um, approach it, like uh, try and make it right for him to move to a full-time element. So. We're always going to have that reference. We always have to have that. The fact is, yes, it would be great. Um, once the financial package and stuff is there and we're able to do so, then it will benefit the league. But I think there's still obviously just other steps that we can do to make it that wee bit more uh, like a gradual step up to the full time. Mm. I mean, Johnny, it would always make sense given the way that the league is going. And I think half the teams or half the clubs are almost full time professional now. It would almost make sense to have the officials also being full-time and professional if that's the way that the league is going to go. Yeah, it would. Um, but obviously, as Andrew said, it was confined to money and finance. It's as simple as that. And, and yeah, look, you know, 
but like you know they could be professional still and you know still make a mistake and you know look at professional referees and in the world you know they've got the advantage now of VAR and whether you like it or not it's an extra set of eyes um for them so yeah look I think you know within five or six years I expect another maybe two or three teams in the Irish League they they maybe try and go full time or you know adopt a, a full time model so yeah be interesting to see if say if the majority of the teams were part time or full time and the referees were part time how that would go down but but yeah look all comes down to. to <coughs> And you know, any 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 bits of extra help that referees can get, I'm sure. One sort of one sort of way you look at it is you look how how, how many years English Premier League had full time players mm-hmm. before their referees ended up going full time. So it was like the, there's there's full time players going around the world, but like you say, it's it's, it's full time for a while and until the, the referees are able to get there. What about I know you're the, the referee development officer and you're, you're involved with the IFA, but I, I've been reading a couple of stories recently where. It's becoming well. It appears to become increasingly hard to attract new people into refereeing. I've read a couple of stories this week, uh, particularly down the leagues and more in the junior football and then I think the Balamina League perhaps as well. The games weren't taking place because they didn't have the requisite number of officials. So, how hard is it? And would it help if there was more money being made available to attract more people, or is that only part of the problem? I don't think the money, when you talk about junior football and you talk about intermediate football and you talk about the money that they're paid, is, is probably, if you look at it, it's, it's I think it's 50 pounds or 55 pounds for a, a junior match, which is 90 minutes. So it's per they are, it's probably not too bad when you look at it that way. But I think the problem being is COVID's hit massively when, it's, when, it, when it comes to certain things and it's refereeing the same people. Previously, towards uh, COVID, Saturday was football day. And I know speaking to some clubs, they said the same. Saturday was football day. Players would say, no, I'm away football and that's it. Whereas now people have other priorities on a Saturday. Um, so we'll have that element of, of, of priorities and different things happening in people's lives and work work schedules and stuff. Um, obviously, we talk about um, abuse and we talk about the sort of... Um, abuse element when it comes to junior referees. Um, I think obviously at our level, at the senior level, where we're, players are a bit more disciplined, there's cameras all over the place, there's there's less likely things, unless it's Johnny, he's going to lock me in a room, um, <laughs> less likely things are going to happen. Um, but when it's you by yourself on a parks pitch, um, people then get the, you know, something, the, the, the 35, 45, 55 point isn't really worth what I'm taking. Um it's a cultural thing, and it probably is a cultural thing. And this is what the problem being is: it's never going to change overnight. It's a, it's a, it's a many years process to get away from. And it's it's awful. You go down and watch any game. It's anyone. I do courses with kids and stuff, and you always say the same thing. You know I mean, do you play FIFA? Yes, I play FIFA. Why are you shouting at the referee in FIFA? It's a game, and I can't hear you. So, but they think it's all right, and then that continues on to Saturday. And as long as we have that continuous abuse coming towards referees and it is going to be hard to get people in I know it's impossible to answer but I'll ask the question anyway how do you stop abusive officials because it's not only it's not only in soccer I mean in recent times there's been a, lot, a number of incidents within the GAA um, there was one in Wexford got a lot of profile as well I mean how do you is, it's not a, a sport problem or a society problem Problem, it's probably a society problem, and that's the issue. <laughs> and everyone's happy enough to give off and, and blame the referee and do it to the referee side of things. And uh, how you change it, I've no idea. And it, it needs to be you need to now almost look at the younger ones, and we need to get it into the kids and the, the younger ones coming through that they don't do it or they stop it. I know some of the IFA regulations they have like signing Saturdays where they have a Saturday where no one's allowed to shoot. Um, coaches aren't allowed to shout parents aren't allowed to shout it's just kids go and play football and enjoy it um, we need to work on those ones um, and those ones more so that when they grow up and then it doesn't continue um, and maybe start at the bottom and try and work our way up listen I understand and you always like a, there's nothing wrong with sometimes a bit of banter and a bit of shouting but obviously when it gets to physicality and it gets to more threatening behaviour then then it's too much and it is too it's, it's, it's wrong um, but again I think the thing that's happening now, obviously, that's Irish FA have every no referee, no game, and that's what they're they're trying to push. Um, sort of hoping, and the fact is that maybe if a few games are cancelled, then some people might then realise, well, we'll hold on a wee second, we actually do need the referees, and and we might not shout at them just as much. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, it's it's a very serious issue, isn't it? I know we all like to, you know, 
have our moment with referees or officials or whatever. But the serious side of it, as Andrew says, you know, if that continues, that policy of no referee, no games, and that's really where it's going to impact, isn't it? Because if you've got 30-odd guys wanting or girls wanting to play football on a Saturday and there's no official, those people are going to be disappointed. And I guess that's how you got to, if you pardon the pun, tackle what is a growing, a growing concern. Of course, and you know it's not two teams on a Saturday afternoon; it's three. When you think of the officials as well, and you know, when you have to, you know, you know, we respect, you know, we respect our players most of the time. You know, on the pitch, you might get a shy at them, so why not? You know, why not try and, you know, yes, of course, have a bit of banter with the referee in the opposition, but there is a, there definitely is a, is a fine line between, you know, you know, crossing the line, and you know, sometimes you know, I, I listen to some of the players speaking to the referee, and I'm like, would you speak to, you know, would you spoke to your teacher like that, or would you spoke to another member of the public like that? So, so I do it on, on the front of the pitch, and yeah, it's one of them things where you know. If I turned up on a Saturday and knew there was no match because of the lack of referee, you'd, be, you'd probably say, I think, oh, Craig, you know, what, what's happened? And, and yeah, look, there definitely has been a shortage of referees. There's, you know, we've noticed that up on the North Coast as well. I think there's been a couple of games plugged as well. So, yeah, look, no referee. There, there's, you know, there's going to be no match. And, and that, that's just how it is. And there needs to be definitely be a fine line. And maybe it probably is a society, society thing as well. You know, some some kids' matches I've watched, some of the, some of the, sometimes the parents are really worse than the kids. Um and you know it's just a it definitely is a fine line between between respect and, and having a bit of honor. I think it's about educating people as well. I mean, if you're going to if sport is going to continue, we have to attract new faces into refereeing and officiating, <clears throat> and you're not going to do that if they're getting abuse. But all that said, Andrew, um, you've done it for guts of 10, 11, 12 years now. I mean. It, I guess you wouldn't referee, or none of the guys that you work with would referee unless it was still enjoyable. And I guess it is an enjoyable thing to be doing. What I think people have to remember at times as well is I don't know anyone who's not a referee who isn't a football fan. Um, it's not something you would just go in just for a bit of banter and have a bit of laugh at. So we all, we've all liked football. We've all grown up loving football and yeah, we're not good enough to play or certain things, injuries or whatever. So we all have that football sort of, we love a game of football. Um, and for me, if I look at it with my perspective, if I wasn't able to play at Windsor like, or play at Corey and Showgrounds, and next best thing's refereeing at it. So yeah, as long as it's enjoyable um, for some it's a statistic way we do enjoy um refereeing and i know the other saturday i went shopping um i'm out injured at the moment and the other saturday i went shopping and then i realized how much i love uh football on a saturday afternoon so um we all love the game and it is it is it's it's people think that we just go home and we switch off and we'll get away from it yes and we're at we're as much interested in the in results we're as much interested in mistakes that are made we're as much interested in things that happen in the game because at the end of the day we're football fans and and we're there for the love of the game it's a massive responsibility too isn't it i mean you know every decision that you make has got implications not for the game not just for that game but <clears throat> potentially for the the, the season, the, that's, that's a hell of a responsibility. All right, don't put any pressure on. Um, <laughs> You're only doing it for 11 years. You've been it by now. You, you don't think about it, and there is at times, there is times where you just go, like obviously this year, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a FIFA referee, so I've done some European games. And I was in the same place where I think uh, Cody Inwer, uh, Velez Mostar, and I refereed Ooh. in Sarajevo. And there was 8,000 fans and about a thousand of those were the ultras in the black uh 32 degrees heat at kick off at eight o'clock and you're standing in the middle of pitch as the the anthems go off and you walk out and you turn around and look at the ones beside you and go like what the hell are we doing here um what what have we got ourselves in for so like there is those moments where you pinch yourself and you go like especially as well and when you have the games like the okay the league cup finals have done the Irish cup final you know that there's a lot resting on them. You know that there's a lot that you're just when we talked earlier on about the Korean game with no Linfield with no controversy. During those games, you're panicking almost that a refereeing decision might cost someone the game. And as long as you can get through it and then at the end, you almost don't enjoy those ones in the moment. It's normally afterwards when you think and go, thankfully it was nothing to do with me. All oh, everything's good. We can now sit back, put the feet up and, and relax. But there is the odd moment when you sit there and you think. The big two, uh, Linfield, Glentoran and Boxing Day, when you walk out and there's 8,000, the League Cup final, you walk out, there's 11,000. You then do pinch yourself and go, there might be a bit more pressure on this than, than I originally thought. 
And those kind of games, mate, we'll talk shortly about Linfield and Glentoran meeting on Friday, uh, Corian making the trip to Ballymena on Saturday. And as players and management <clears throat> and supporters, everybody connected looks forward to those games and there's a heightened sense of intensity. And I guess that's the same for officials too. Yeah, well, I would say well, most of the referees, obviously most of them will, will look forward to those games. Um, it's like a player, you don't want to go through your whole season and, and, and playing in the League Cup all the year and not getting your chance in the league or, or playing all throughout the league, the Irish Cup run and not getting picked in the final. You're always looking for those big games. You're always looking to try and get involved in, in the big ones. Yes, they come with a bit more scrutiny. Yes, they come with a bit more pressure. If they're on live on TV, you've always got that wee bit of extra mo- uh, uh, pressure when you turn around every two seconds and you see a camera in your face. Um, so it all comes to those. But if you weren't doing it, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, then you, you wouldn't look forward to those games. Uh, and the two games last year, I remember, they were both at the National Stadium, was the, the, the Boxing Day, Linfield, Glenshorn, and the, the League Cup final, when you talk about the Liftonville Corian, where we turn up the usual hour and a half before kickoff, normally to nobody. Whereas we were driving into the grounds, there's fans all about. There's hive of activity. It's almost like a, a an English league game where you're going in. That whole build up is starting there. So that those two games last year were tremendous from that whole aspect of the of of the build up and everything else around it. You knew it was a special occasion. You knew it was a big game, and it, it adds to the occasion. And do you get nerves before games? Um, like you said, I've been doing eleven years. I probably don't get too nervous now. Um. You always have that sort of moment. I don't think it really hits you sometimes until you walk onto the pitch. I'm fine. The odd occasion you walk out and, and you hear the noise, you hear their atmosphere, and then that's when it gets. Once the whistle goes, mm-hmm. all sort of nerves go, and you, you switch out most of the noise, you switch out most of the, the, the shouting and screaming at you, and you're concentrating more in the game. So it's more, sometimes if you're on the pitch, if they're doing national anthems, they're doing handshakes, they're doing something media or whatever on the pitch, and you've got that wee bit more of a moment before kickoff, when you're soaking up the atmosphere and hearing the shout and hearing the screaming, then that's when sometimes the nerves can kick in and you're going, please don't make a mistake. Uh, that's pretty good, Johnny, isn't it? I mean, as Andrew said earlier, if you can't play, the next best thing is refereeing or reporting on it from her point of view. But, I mean, Johnny, you put up earlier uh, in the week about uh, Andrew very kindly coming on to the, the podcast, and I think you'd asked for supporters have they had any questions for Andrew now I'm not sure if that was a good idea or not <laughs> given what what everybody tends to think of poor old referees but I mean have you questions there that you want to fire off to Andrew to see what he, he, his responses are to be fair they're actually they're actually our fans are actually nice to you there wasn't nothing to you there you are um, Andrew's joking with you and he wants to know how many sunbed sessions you have a week and how many would you recommend I mean, this is the running joke. I and mean, when you talk about, there's two stories I could tell you about that. When you talk about your 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 ex player Aaron Trainer, who one time we were out walking around the pitch, Aaron had a full on conversation about what products I used uh, for 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 tanning, and he just could not get it into his head that I was trying to tell him I don't use any. Um, but he kept on throwing these names at me of all these different things and all these different products, and I was like, Aaron, I don't use any. Um, it is, yeah. I'm just some people are jealous of the, the swirliness. We went and another one we went to we had the Greek assistant, Georgios Agaropoulos, and um we went away to European game. And the first time we met the observer was from Serbia or something. He came over to me and shook my hand and said, You must be the Greek. And I was like, No, no, that's George over there. Because <laughs> apparently I look more Greek than he did. Brilliant. Uh... This must be a tongue-in-cheek, but now Mackenzie wants to know when did you start supporting Lauren? Uh, ever since I was a boy. And it's really bad to say, and I, I love the Irish League as a product now. I love the Irish League. If I'm not doing a game, I'll try and watch an Irish League game. All the ones on TV I'll watch. But naivety in my part, probably growing up, I never I never even would have considered Irish League. I never even, I never even watched a game. I never went to too many or, or seen anything. I, I was never, and it sounds bad now, I'm trying to promote it as much as possible, the Irish League, but I was never an Irish League fan. Um, I've never got involved there. So much so, I remember one time refereeing a, a reserve game as it was coming up, and it was Linfield against Lisburn Distillery. And I remember going to this game at the old Midsley out the back of the, the Windsor, and uh, 
superb see from coming up the ranks this was the best game of football i'd ever refereed they were passing the ball they were moving it was there was a crowd there and i was like what the heck is it like a reserve game what's happening here but i didn't know any of the names and i went home and i spoke to hugh carville again who was my mentor at the time and i said to him listen that was the best game of football and i had the team sheets and he says no run down the team sheet and each team this was back in the days when you could do so each team had about eight or nine what you would call first teamers playing Linfield had a couple of uh, first team at that stage were full time. Paul McAreevy was playing and stuff. And like there was eight or nine in each team. And I was just like, well, that's the reason why it was was so good. But I had the, the sort of benefit then that I didn't know them. So I didn't just took them for their ability on the pitch and just sort of took the game as it came. But I didn't actually know any names. I have a I have a question myself. Obviously, me and Damien weren't in the media. Do you think referees should be speaking after the game about a certain decision that they make? Or there's a time and a place um, and there is and I'm all for it and I'm all for for social interaction with the media teams with the fans with anyone who wants anyone who wants to talk about referee and I'll sit down in front of them and talk to them about it there's a time and a place when it comes to two decisions um, a lot of the times I was talking there on to someone walking down the tunnel um, after a heated game is not the time to try and get a referee's opinion on something so there is a time and a place as long as it's not always for the bad ones, as long as it's not always for what we call mistakes. If there is something that is actually right and it seems to be no one else thinks so we'll be able to prove that it's right or or to clarify what the law is or something, then by all means. Um, sometimes referees will like to see it and it sounds sounds like a cop out at times. Sometimes looking at it on like an iPad or a clip on a, on a computer is completely different than watching it on a TV screen. Um, and you get a lot more clarity when you watch it on a TV screen. So maybe not straight after the game sometimes. Um, maybe not five minutes afterwards as we're trying to get short after the game. But by all means, I'm I'm 100%. We previously, back in the day, went and done media training to, to try and promote it a wee bit and try and sort it to it. So anything that is, we'll always talk about educating um, and educating if. I do a lot of stuff with clubs and players and, and youth levels. If we're able to educate them on the laws of the game, if it makes a referee's life slightly easier when it comes to the match on a Saturday, then that's what we're aiming to do. And like I say, media teams and afterwards, there's a time and a place. But yes, I, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all for uh, the interaction. And final question for me. Would you like is the VAR just now or a similar or a type of VAR or anything to do with VAR? I think a lot of people know that there will be some sort of VAR introduced, and I think it's more when rather than than if. Um, and the fact that we're one of the only countries in the world that probably doesn't have it at the moment. When we talk about the top nations and we talk about our coefficiency, we're 30, 40, whatever we are in the coefficiency league at the moment. We're one of the only countries that high that don't have VAR. Um, so I'm all for it. The training behind it from the referee side of things needs to be right. Um, the use of it, maybe not like the English Premier League and the way they do it, um, needs to be right. So we can see from the Champions League and we can see from the Europa League at times and when you look at those games, how in other countries as well, how it can be used correctly. Um, the biggest issue we have at times is sometimes when we teach and referees is the main thing that they watch is the English Premier League and their way of doing things refereeing-wise, VAR-wise, is maybe a bit different than what a lot of other people will do. So, yes, um, I am all for VAR. Um, I think, and a lot of people would obviously suggest that maybe I'm more fit to be in a VAR. I can sit behind a computer screen and I can watch any clip that you want and I'll tell the referee to come over and look at it. Um, so, uh, it'll be when more than if, but yeah, if it, if it helps the league, you have to look at Linfield as well. Linfield were very close to obviously getting into... Europa Conference League um, and it'll not be long before the legs of the Europa Conference League are using VAR it's in the Europa League at the moment so it's it's progression not only for it's progression not only for the referees but it's progression for the league it's progression for the, the players within the league so anything that makes it all better then then, then why not well, was it an operation, Andrew, when you said that you did that European game? No, no that was all that, their qualifiers so they don't bring it in until they use the group stages um, yeah. until then so we don't have anything you see, it probably might help, but what I personally, I mean, I watch games now, and I have to be honest, a lot of the times I do not know the rules anymore. Laws, it's laws. like the laws, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the rules of the game, the laws of the game. I'm probably of an age when I watched football, everything was quite simple. Offside was quite simple. Handball was quite simple. And 
I now watch football and I have to be honest and I just go, I do not know what's going on anymore. And I'm sure I'm not the only person. And I find that difficult to understand. And I'm sure that must be the same for you, not only as a referee, but when you make decisions for supporters to understand the decisions that you've made. It's, it is very difficult because contrary to belief, we don't just make things up as we go along. <laughs> we do try and follow the laws of the game. And it's funny when you talk about that, I flicked on Sky Sports the other day and I think there was a game from 94, 95, Liverpool, Newcastle or something, was when if you're offside, you're offside. And I was watching that thinking like the ball's nowhere near anybody and the flag's up and they're giving a free kick and you're like, for me, that doesn't make sense. But it is frustrating because even in the Irish League and you come across some players and even not so long ago, you get people who are calling offside from a goal kick. Players... And you're like, you can't be offside with goal kicks, small things. Um, so I'm all, listen, it changes and the laws change every year. There's always some sort of tweaks and there's always some things. The, the problem being for me at times, as well as a referee, your enjoyment of watching a football match at times is not there the same because you're watching it and everyone's going, oh, that's a penalty, screaming and shouting. You're looking, it's not a penalty kick or that's a clear penalty. That's no Marcus Rashford's handball the other day. Yes, his hand's not in an unnatural position. His hand's not making his body unnaturally bigger. But the big thing in that is it hits his hand, any part of his hand, and then he has a goal-scoring opportunity. You see, to me, that I don't understand that because I watched that and there was no way that he could get out of the road. He went in, the guy tackled him, the ball hit him on the hand, he went on and scored. And I'm the most anti-man United man there is going, right? But I'm like going, how can you get penalised for that for something that was out of his And that's grave? what we, 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 you take it, we have to understand that and we have to just go by what the laws of the game are and we have to see those things and it's not like, at times we always say um, about how we're killing the game, we're, we referees, all we're doing is going by what laws <laughs> IFAB give us at the end of the day, we always have to interpret them. We always get told off for giving things in one box and not giving them in the other. Now the laws sort of state that we can do so um, when it comes to handball and it comes to certain things. So, yeah, it's hard and it's hard. And I'll always try. And whenever, most of the time, a player will scream and shout about anything. But if you're able to educate that player every now and then say, no, you can't do that. This is what it is. Sometimes they'll turn around and go, right, I didn't know that. And if you can get that wee bit across, then some sometimes it helps. Johnny, I mean, I, I'm speaking for myself. You, you're obviously different. But, I mean, do you find it frustrating trying to follow, uh, I'll not say the rules, the laws of the Education, game? Education, you see. Yeah, um, it's, it's working. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, you you know, when you watch a game in the Premier League and a goal goes in, you probably wait a couple of seconds to celebrate because you're just worried in case somebody's one ar- one inch of his arms offside or something. It's that sort of thing that would, that would, that would frustrate me and... And yeah, like even watched the Chelsea match the other night, and you know, my mind gets brought down, and there's a penalty, but I think the red card is a bit harsh. It's just you get different, you get different, you know. There's, there's so many different things you you can speak about, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a life of referee, and they just have to go by the by the, by the laws of the of the game. So. It's just a different. It's different interpretations, Andrew. That's probably the it's the grey area, isn't it? And the way it is as well, when we look at the laws of the game are wrote in a way that says in the opinion of the referee. So a lot of it is very um, subjective to opinions. Um, but then again, that's the reason why you media team are in a job because um, what I think is right and what you think might be right may not be the same thing. And then it, it, it creates that discussion. Um, so it's in the opinion of the referee and, and we give, we're given guidelines on what to look out for or, or certain things to look out for in a game um, or when a tackle happens or when this happens and that's all it is, it's a guideline so I may think it might be a free kick and you could think it's more a yellow and, and Johnny could think it's more a red so that is still there and I think that is sometimes one of the good things about football and what's football more interesting and probably the biggest sport in the world when you look at there is that, and, and you have to look at it as well, we'll always talk about, so coaches will coach games in different ways, so like Oren Kearney will coach his team and at the play in a certain style, and Stephen Baxter will do it his way, and, and David Healy will do it his way. Um, referees referee in different styles, and I think if you're a Korean fan and you've been to many <coughs> Korean games, you will see that there's different referees will come up and will referee in different styles, and that is okay because the laws of the game 
say it's okay in, in doing that? That's interesting that you say that as well, because uh, do you think that managers, right, when when they know, when they know who's refereeing their game, will tailor the way that they play or know that they can get away with more or less, depending on who the referee is, and play on the referee? Um, yes, and I think it's like anything. When you give somebody a law, what's your natural reaction to do? Try and get around it. So we do stuff with the coaching badges. As soon as you start telling them the laws of the game, they're looking at ways of doing certain things to get around it. So I know a previous Northern Ireland manager always got a report done on the referee who was doing the game. Does he like not like pulling a corner? Does he like this? Does he like that? So I I know. Listen, we talk about teams tactics. So we talk about um teams that like to kick it forward quicker or teams that like to play it about the back and then go wide. We talk about that because that helps me get through the game. That helps me understand what I need to do for a game. But I also know that some, speaking to other players, rep managers will say, especially if it's me or Ray, go in early first. He'll not give you a card early on. Hit him early. You let him know you're there and then we'll go from there. Whereas you'll go to the other ones and there'll be other referees or more, shall we say, school teacher-esque. It goes throughout every level. And I'll always say, anyone at junior level or anyone in intermediate, you'll always have the manager who comes in. Right, lads, you've seen who the referee is. Don't talk to him. You know what he's like. Don't speak to him. Just don't open your mouth. Your card, all that. So, yeah, play, teams will maybe sometimes play on the referees. But at, at the, the way you look at it at the moment is, it's all about the finances. We talked about earlier on and, and, the, and the, the, the points. So, if anyone can get that wee bit of a, a one-upmanship, then they're, they're going to use anything they can to sort of make their day a wee bit easier. And, and how do you get on with all <clears throat> the managers in the league? I, I have no issue. I, I, I talk and I'm I'm not there, and I've always said this, I'm not there to make best friends with anyone. I'm not there to be anyone in the league's best friend. I'm not there to be a player's best friend or anyone's best friend. But... I need to have a working relationship with them and the fact that anyone who works in an office has to have a relationship with the other people in the office. So I will speak to anyone and I'll have many conversations. My big thing is if I see them outside the football in context, I want to be able not to each of us pretend that we don't see each other so we don't have to talk to each other. All I want to say is, all right, how are you going? Keep it well. Right, general chit-chat, that's it. And that's all I'm trying to do. So I would try and say with most of the managers, if not all, I would try and have that sort of rapport with ones where I would deem to be a wee bit maybe more approachable than 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 some people may like for a referee. I'll talk about it. I'll I'll discuss anything they want, um, anything that they want to discuss uh, about the game afterwards. I have no problem discussing it, um, as long as it's a two way conversation and not a a listening uh section from me. What about what about players too? Well, I mean, without maybe naming names, I mean, what players would give you the hardest time? Stephen playing? O'Donnell. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Stevie's just one who just wears his heart on his sleeve and just and just is just on top of everything and always on top of. But I like people have asked me this: who's the one I've booked most, or who's the one that you hate refereeing the most? And to be honest with you, I don't ever have anyone who have I've hated. I know there's ones that. You might have to work a wee bit harder sometimes. I can say it now. Decky Goodell is obviously retired from the league, so he was always one you had to sort of try and manage at times. Stevie Douglas, just trying to listen to him, was hard enough, never mind anything else at times. So you have the players who bring different bits and pieces to the game. We've got players who bring bits, but there's never been a player who have always meant not him again. Um, you always have players who you can talk to more, players who are more open to conversation, players who are more receptive to the conversation than ones who, you know, I just don't talk, not that I just don't talk to them, but I know that we're never going to see eye to eye. They're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. That's it. That's okay. I suppose Johnny Asik, any walk of life, isn't it? You know, different personalities between managers, players. It's the same in an office environment as well. Some people you get, will be more enthusiastic, boisterous than others. And and that goes for referees with players and managers, doesn't it? That's it. 100%. And, you know, Andrew made a comment there, you know, are you still chatting just about different styles and, and referees? And the you know, one thing I always noticed that Skinner in Europe won everything because the referees just weren't used to him. Whereas uh, the thing with Skinner is I got frustrated because there was time when Skinner was actually fouled when he didn't get anything. But because Skinner would have... I'll try and word it nice. Because Skinner can go down a wee bit too easy. Um, 
he wouldn't get as much. But in Europe, he got absolutely everything. And it's just because the referees just weren't used to him. And, and that's just how it is. And at that point, was just in my head. You know, we played, I think it was a Motherwell at home in the Europa League. And he won a penalty at the end. And like, Never a penalty. No, I thought he was diving in the Port Stewart Strand. You know, <laughs> I was up at that game and I remember it. But he got, but he got it. Whereas, you know, if that was in the league, you know, Andrew or Stephen Gray or whoever the ref would probably know that that's just, you know, you know Skinner. And, you know, you just have to play to, play, play, to, play to what you have, you know. But it's something that we referees have to understand as well, especially once you go to Europe. We have to referee slightly different if we go to Europe than we do here because it's maybe not as bad now. Previously, it used to be anyone that's touching Europe, it's a free kick. You know what I mean? If it looks a wee bit dangerous, yellow card. Whereas it's coming round. I don't think it's fully round to the Irish League way of thinking at the moment, but it's a wee bit more, there is a wee bit of contact allowed, there's a wee bit more things. But previously, if we were going to Europe, like you were changing the way you refereed because you had to adapt to what they're, and even refereeing different countries or different teams from different countries as well. And you knew players who were coming. The first time I experienced any sort of international sort of players was we went on an exchange trip to Malta. Um, and the Maltese League have a lot of um, foreign players, a lot of players from all around the world in it. And for me, we don't get it as much here. We don't have that many players. We may get some from Scotland. We may get some from England. And uh, uh, we now have a few more coming in from outside the, the EU, or outside the UK. But that first time I went to Malta and had the experience of their players and they were throwing themselves down and they were screaming and shouting and then they were reacting differently. It's a different way of, of refereeing and trying to manage those cultures. And then these people who don't speak English when you're trying to tell them something, but then when you're telling they're telling you something all of a sudden can speak perfect English and how you should have given a penalty. So it's all those wee different things and it's different ways in different um, um, uh, environments to referee in that you, you sort of have to pick up as you go along. Just on, <clears throat> on that, what you're just saying there, I, I was reading earlier and I can't help but bring it up. The time that you went viral, was it? The, you know what I'm going to talk yeah, about. The yeah. 20, 2019 League Cup final, wasn't it? Yeah. What was that? Over 100, no, 1 million views online, Andrew. It was, it was something like 8 million on Twitter at one stage. Um, is what it, The reason why I know that is because if I have it on YouTube, if it goes over a million, you get paid. Uh, <laughs> well, because it's on Twitter, well, you don't yeah, get it. It was we can get people to go on to it after yeah, today. It was raging, but... but I mean, I mean, for those who don't know, perhaps what we're talking about, it was a very famous incident, and it was the League Cup uh, final. I think it was Linfield and Balamina, yeah. and you had a rather unusual way, I think, of, of trying to restore order. <laughs> yeah, well, and when you talk about mistakes, that's a mistake as well. I, I should have sent Jim Irvin off in that game, and I didn't after that tackle. There was a tackle in the game, and I spoke to Jim, I spoke to Jamie Belcrew, uh, who was at the, the other end of it, and I, I should have sent them off, and I didn't. Now, there have been a couple of incidents in that game where, again, it's a game that's on TV, which players then, they get a wee bit riled up, they're live on TV, it's a cup final and all that there Saturday night, and, and there was a wee bit of fisticuffs, there have been, been a couple of uh, incidents where some people had come together, and I just wanted everybody to calm down a wee bit, um, is, is all I'd asked. I didn't realise, obviously, we were more interested in the fact that at the game the day that the red card that we missed the red card. Thankfully, Linfield won the game. It didn't affect the game in any way because it should have been a Balmina player sent off. But so thankfully it didn't affect the game. Everything was good and I didn't realise. It was only afterwards I went to the bar where to meet some other referees who kept on shouting, calm down. What are you just talking about? I have no idea. And they said, have you not seen the WhatsApp group? I said there was about 150 messages on the WhatsApp group. I didn't look at any of them. And then go back and look at the video. And I remember going back and looking at the video and going, oh, right. <laughs> didn't realise that. So, yeah. Listen, you know, Johnny, I don't know if you've seen the clip probably, but I, I, what it probably does show or tell us is that what we know is referees are human, just the same as the rest of us. 100%. And I like Raymond Crangle because he just tells players they wise up or get on with the game. And it's better that way, you know. I think players will probably more respect that. You know, for example, um, two things about Raymond Crangle on Saturday. First of all, he gave every mascot two pounds, which was a lovely touch. And secondly, um, I was getting ready to, to do a video with the players coming out. And Raymond was saying to the Stevie O'Donnell and the Korean players to hurry up because they had to go to the opera house. Just little things they got there, and it's just you know he's a he's a person. He's you know yes he's a referee, but he's a human being at the end of the day. So I just like how referees sort of like um, Raymond Crangle 
really good because he just refs the game and he lets things go and he chats to the players and so on. You know, so if a player turns around and tells him they f off, he's like, "No, you f off." You know, but it's good that way. It's sort of a bit of you know a bit of understanding, a bit of you know mutual respect between the two. Well, that's it. That's what it's all about. <clears throat> At the end of the day, it's a man. Well, I was going to say a man's game, but that's probably a, a, a woman's game as well. But what I mean is that level of understanding or banter, for want of a better word, that's part and parcel of, of sport, isn't it? And, and that's something that we should shouldn't forget. So, it's, well, here I'm just saying that as we, well. It's also it's also knowing your players and it's dealing with different players in different ways. Because there was an ex Corey girl, I'll not mention names, who wouldn't have swore and never gave off to me. But I, I said something to one of the players who was giving me chip, and I was told you can't speak like that. And I turned around to that player and said, I don't speak to you that way because you don't speak to me that way. But if I turn around and tell him politely to please be quiet, he's not going to listen to me. And the player, the, the Corey up there in the time went, okay, fair enough, that's fair enough. But uh, it's like different ways for different people. But yep. that's everybody, everybody's different. So uh, that said, well, here, guys, <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll just quickly... as coming to the end of the podcast we will cast an eye over the games coming up this weekend um andrew we do a normal thing with our, our guests and we have previews and, and uh, predictions for the weekend's game and I, i'm not sure in your capacity as a referee or a development officer for referees if you're allowed to comment on these games well i tell you what my betting slip says <laughs> no no i can't give any comment i wouldn't give any any prediction of scores i'll 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 give a, a synopsis on the teams, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I wouldn't give you any scores. You could certainly you could certainly do that. I mean, Johnny, how are we in the prediction uh, league table there? Well, you're still uh, you're still ahead, Damien. So you're you're one correct score ahead of the guests and two correct scores ahead of me. So uh, nobody got anyone anything right last week. So um, yeah, we're yeah we're, we're bare bones last week. It shows you how it just shows you how difficult it is this league. Uh, right, I'll tell you what, Johnny, you can start. Um, I think many games, two games on Friday night, and they're absolute, both brilliant games on paper. Lauren at home to Cliffordville to kick off. What do you think? Yeah, I will go for a draw there. Um, again, I think both the games Friday night are going to be draws. So I don't think either team will want to get beat. Uh, Lauren don't concede many. Uh, Cliffordville has started to score a lot of goals since, since we beat them on the opening day. So I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Uh, sure, give me your Lenfield Grand Torn one. You think that's going to be a draw? So give yeah, me I, think, um, I think I'll also be a one all draw. Um, again, Grand Torn don't concede many. Uh, really good going forward. Lenfield probably will definitely not want to get beaten that one either. Um, I think it's at Windsor Park, isn't it? Yep, it's at Windsor. So, um, I think I think Grand Torn would happily take a draw there too. Um, by the end of the day, Grand Torn also on a crest of the wave, they will they'll also be trying to win that, obviously. So, but no, I think I think that'll be a draw. One each. Yeah, Andrew. I mean, <clears throat> those are two very high profile games for a Friday night, and both a lot riding on them. So difficult for the 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 officials to look after them, but. What, what's your thoughts on those two games? Yeah, well, Lauren Cliftonville, obviously, both teams are used to playing on the artificial surface. Uh, the lights at uh, games under the lights at Inver at the moment seem to have a bit of uh, uh, have a bit of something about them as well, which is which is good. So, two good football insides, two good teams are, are flying high at the moment. Um, which, like happened at Corain, sometimes can cancel each other out and, and sort of think to themselves that uh, is it better not to lose than, than it is to actually try and push for a win. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lauren this year, I, I think maybe we're seeing a different side to Lauren. I think uh, previous years, the, the, the movie scored goals, but they also conceded goals. And, and this year, it seems to be a bit of a, for one of a better, a, a more steely age to them. Um, Andrew, would that be something that you would agree with? Yeah, obviously, Lauren, whenever the, the last couple of years was a bit more of a uh, European side that we would have said. Um, a lot of passing around the back, a lot of uh, keep ball, keep ball, and uh, and trying to move players about the pitch that way than it was now. A wee bit more, get it forward a wee bit quicker. Um, a couple of players in who are now different, obviously, Leroy. Um, who started off brilliantly and superb for them, but is a bit of a more, yeah, it's a technically good player, but um, going forward, it seems to be going forward a lot quicker than um, than, than it has done in previous years. And what about, the, <clears throat> excuse me, Lundfield at home to Glentorn? Because even at this early stage of the season, I mean, that's a huge game for Lundfield, but given 
that they're having to play catch up because of their European exploits. And given the start the Glen Torn have made, I mean that that's there's pressure in, on that game, isn't there? There's pressure. There is pressure, and, and I think there's pressure on both sides because uh, first big two or big two as we call it at the at the, the first one of the season, nobody wants to lose, and it's a, it can set up for how it is now. Obviously, seven eight games in for each team, so it's a, it's an early early test for both of them. Linfield obviously have not maybe started as strongly as they wanted to, maybe a bit of a European hangover. Um, but they they need that wee bit of a boost. They need that wee bit of a a, a win that, that will maybe help sort of kickstart the, the rest of their season. Whereas, like sort of Johnny said as well, Glenn Sworn on that wee bit of a crest of a wave unbeaten so far. Um and and and, and flying at the moment. So so it all makes for a good game live on BBC two as well. So so it's it's out there for everybody to see. So it's it's just doesn't who's, the man, who, who's the man in the middle there? Um, I think it is Lee Tavender. I think it is Lee. Um, I'm not too sure, but I think it's Lee. I've just said yeah. that, so I hope it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think uh, Lauren Cliffordville. I'll go for two all draw for that one, Johnny. Mm-hmm. And Glen Torn, I'll go for a two all draw as well for that one, just just to keep things right. Um, third on to Saturday. Uh, we'll rattle through these ones. Andrew. Crusaders home to Glenavon on Saturday. Crusaders Glenavon, yeah, it's always going to be a tough game with the two of them. Glenavon, obviously, after a, a good win um, last week, um, five goals, I think it was in the second half. So they're going to be riding high. And Crusaders have been a bit up and down um, in the last few weeks as well, haven't they? They sort of had a good few results, and obviously Carrick was it last week, a week before that they got a defeat. So um, Glenavon don't like artificial pitches, and that is, or is it just some people don't like the artificial pitches? So an interesting game to see, yeah. Uh, Johnny, uh, Andrew summed it up pretty well there. Two relatively inconsistent teams meeting. We did, and uh, I don't really think the two managers get on as well by all accounts. So that should make it a wee bit more interesting as well. Uh, Not for the fourth official. Or yeah, like <laughs> no comment. I don't think. Um, I don't well, I think of unbeaten in their four last five visits to there as well. So I think Crusaders leads at one two one. Uh okay. I'll go again. We've talked about it before in this podcast. You just don't know what you're going to get with Glenavon. Uh so on that basis, uh, I'll go over a two one Glenavon win. Just to be different. Uh okay, Carrick Rangers against Dungannon. Johnny, how do you see that going? Um, uh, Carrick at home. Uh, I'll go two 0 Carrick. Yeah, Andrew. As yeah. Johnny said, it's hard to see past Carrick Rangers at home, isn't it? I think Dungannon will kick into form. They're obviously played some fo- super football at times and, and try to like to pass the ball. And I don't think obviously the Taylor's Avenue pitch will uh maybe lend a lot of time. So yeah, it'll be an interesting game. And obviously uh Carrick who have a wee bit of a high at the moment as well. So they're 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 doing well. Uh, I think, <clears throat> as we know, we've been to Carrick this season and it's a difficult place to get a result from. Um, I think I'll go for Carrick 2-1, both teams to score. So uh, here's one now, Andrew, the next game for Saturday. Balamina United at home to Korean and just, just be careful what you say here. <laughs> um, again, it's a local derby and it, it, when you get a derby, sometimes form goes out the window and, and, and everything else and it's just whoever's up for it most on that day. Um, is that the, the Balamina showgrounds? It right? is, Balamina, yeah. yep. Well, at the moment, I think the pitch is still in good, in good shape. <clears throat> it should lend a, a good local a local derby. Um, hopefully um, a spectacle um, for everyone. Yeah. Um, have to be careful what I say. <laughs> you have to be sitting on the fence here uh, Johnny I think you missed the League Cup game up there um, so this will be your first derby of the year how do you see it going? Yeah I can't wait to go up the, the Balmain and be treated lovely um, I will go I'll go 3-1 Korean They do like you up there don't they? They love me They love you um, I'll go for uh, having what well Balmain I got a win recently I think it's Going to do their their confidence the power of good, but I'm hoping uh, more than anything that Korean will prove too strong, and I'll go for a Korean two one away game, uh, win. Uh, and then the final game of the weekend is five thirty on the Saturday. Portadown uh, home to Newry City. That's one for the 
sort of the bottom half of the table, Andrew. I mean, have you seen Portadown or Newry this year at all? Um, I've refereed Newry, um, and I was fourth official at Portadown one time. So I think Portadown's difference being is that they brought a lot of new players in who were still last minute, almost trying to gel, trying to get it that the sort of team ethics together. And I think they've sort of come around a wee bit. Newry will always uh, sneak a few wins. I think Newry have got a good attitude about them. They've got good players. They've got a good way where they'll always sneak it. It's so at this early stage as well. When you look at it, any points down near the bottom are are vital. So when the two play each other, um, half five kickoffs probably quite good as well. Try and get a bit of a crowd in. Try and do something around the ground. So yeah, it should be an interesting game. Johnny, how do you see it uh, panning out there? I think that will also be a draw. Um, I don't think Portadown will want to lose that. Um, I think Nuri would take a draw too. So I will go for a big fat one-one. I think uh, Nuri City a little bit more going forward, possibly than Portadown. On that basis, I'll give it a, a slight edge to Nuri one-nil, yep. just to to round things off. Uh, well, here that sort of brings us really to the the end of the podcast for for this week. Um just like to thank everybody for listening. I would love to just say thank you very much to Andrew Davy for coming on. Um, it's not often we get the, the opportunity to to talk to a referee or, or to question a referee about uh, what goes on. And again, as we said before, games won't happen without them. So, Andrew, I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time uh, to talk to us today. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And and Johnny just watched the doors at uh, Balamina because I might just speak to someone up there. <laughs> very good, Andrew. Andrew knows people. Johnny. Hey, see, uh, he hasn't got over that yet. But, you know. <laughs> and it's really, it's, it was just payback for last season. That's all it was. There's nothing, no grudges or nothing. There. There was. Do you know what, Andrew? He, he pretends it was an accident, but he had thought it out for weeks beforehand. Wow. I seen him laughing as he went away. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> He's just disappointed somebody that eventually did let you out. So, But here, thanks again, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at the showgrounds very, very soon. Thank you. Lovely. And Johnny, thank you very much as well. Uh, and I'll, we'll see you on Saturday, I'm sure, on our way to Balamina. See you then. Um, looking forward to it. And here's hoping we can get another one. Yes. And uh, just finally, thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh, enjoy the game at the weekend, and we'll speak to you again next week.